What's up, everybody? This is episode seven of Lessons with Strangers, and I'm here with Sherman. Um, great guy. Uh, we've known each other for a while now. A yeah. little bit, a little bit of a little bit of a time. Um, I just really like look up to you and the things that you do. You do like I just see like the way that you interact with your family, different things that you've done. I kind of like picked up on that and taken it into my own life mm -hmm. and. I remember early on, like you shared an audio book with me, like Tim Grover, Relentless. Yeah. And I remember listening to that, like times when I was running and just pulling different pieces of that into my life. And so, um, yeah, man, I'm just extremely grateful to have you as the first person that I actually sit down with and we have like an actual conversation interaction. So yeah. it means a lot to me that you're, you're here. And so I thank you so much for that. But um, yeah, anyway. I kind of want to, let's get into a little bit. Absolutely. Tell, tell us who you are, what you do, why yeah. you do what you do, and <clears throat> a little bit of that. All right, so I'm, I'm Sherman, uh, the crazy Asian, as I like gave, uh, gave that title. It was from college. That's what people called me. Um, but, you know, f so, so what I do, I'm, I'm a father, uh, husband, uh, f four sons, one daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, so it ranges from 16 all the way down to eight months. Um, and then on the professional side, I run a team of financial advisors, um, and so it's a lot of coaching, a lot of recruiting. Um, so you dive into things like diversity and kind of recruiting process. But then on the coaching side, it could be, you know, personal, professional development and um, ultimately sales. That's really what a financial advisor will do is look at kind of where people or businesses are and see what they can do and be able to solve, solve needs. Nice. So, yeah, so been doing it for, been in the industry for over 16 years and then been in a role of leadership for 10 years. Um, and really enjoy the opportunity just to, to pour back into someone else to help them see where they want to go and ultimately um, there's a lot of just satisfaction as, you, as people like gain their own um, like their own legs and their own their own confidence their own understanding as the light bulbs yeah. go off for themselves of oh how I can help myself and I can help my clients improve it's it's really rewarding yeah and I think that's something that I've picked up like earlier on and why like I wanted to sit down and have this conversation is because you have I've I noticed like that that realness with you of like wanting to help people and that I noticed like you had my best interest in heart it wasn't so for you to get something out of it it was more of like what can you do little things to help push me to be a better person mm -hmm. and although we don't spend tons and tons of time together the interactions that we had, even though they were little, to me have meant a lot. And so, um, yeah, it, well, just, it just means a lot to me. And that's perfect. I mean, so, you know, I read, I read a great book, um, and a lot of people have seen the TED Talk, right, by Simon Sinek, Start mm -hmm. With Why. Yeah. And I think on the offset, people a lot of times they go, oh, my why is to earn money, or my why is to have this level of education. I want to be a doctor. I want to be an attorney. Mm -hmm. and, but that's not, because... That's a, that's a destination, right? That's, once that's done, then, then what's next? Mm -hmm. And so as I started thinking about like my why, I started digging in like, why do I make certain decisions the way that I do? Um, and so it really came down to, for me, my purpose is to uh, you know, leave a legacy by positively impacting others. Mm -hmm. So for me, as I yeah. think about that, whether you and I engage just a quick DM on yeah. social, I want it to be positive in nature. Yeah. I'm not going to influence and you know, inspire everybody with everything that I do. Mm -hmm. But if you and I have an opportunity to really connect 
then I hope that the, the time was well spent and I hope that what I've done has been positive. Now, yeah. people that know me for a long time, they know that I'm very flawed, like just like everybody yeah. else. And so with that doesn't mean that there's perfection. It just means that I hope that in the net gain of everything <laughs> at the end, I hope there's more positive than negative in interacting with me. Dude, for sure. So. And I, I, there's one thing that I would like really like for you to share is like, I remember something that you told me that kind of stood out was like, something that you did for your kids of like recording clips. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you still do that, but yeah. if you like, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it, it, if I can kind of take a little bit of a backstory. So my mom is the one that started it. So uh, when, so I was born in 1979 mm -hmm. and my mom started these letters in 1981 or 82. Uh, my youngest sister, she was born in 82 and she would call it Dear Kids. Mm -hmm. And so she would write these letters um, um, about like her thoughts on um, college uh, thoughts on relationships, thoughts on friendship, mm -hmm. uh, pornography, uh, intimacy. Mm. And so it, it wasn't, and they, and they spanned decades. Mm. So anytime that she had a thought, almost like a journal or in a sense, she would write to the kids. And when I was 20 years old, I was serving a Christian mission in the Philippines. Mm. And she put it together and on my birthday mailed it to me. So there was this thick book that she had sent over of these wow. letters for the last 20 years, right, of my life. Wow. And, and, and it was just amazing at that time to be able to dig in and, and read this and just, I was like flabbergasted. I was just like literally taken back that like so much thought process from my parents mm -hmm. about how to raise us kids. Yeah. And, um, and then for, for me then, when I became a parent, I thought, I wanna do the same thing. I'm not a good writer. Like I, I just, I'm not good. I, my handwriting's horrible. When I type, it's just real clunky. And so I started making videos. Mm. Um, so at first it started, and actually this is funny because um, just, just a couple weeks ago I was looking at this. I had actually had a dictation mm -hmm. service. So I started dictating in like oh, 2008. Okay. My, young, my oldest, obviously 16. So, you know, he was born in 05. Or, yeah, 05. So in 2008, I would dictate. And then I started making videos as you know, YouTube was coming more popular and a lot easier and, and cell phones made it really easy because you're getting a better quality video. Yeah. And so I would write these, I would not write these, I would talk out kind of my thoughts of the day. Mm -hmm. um, and so some of it was, I wanted to be able to hear my struggle in the moment because you know, being a father now of, for 16 years, mm -hmm. my thoughts on raising a one-year-old or a newborn is way different because I've done it now five times. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a certain level of like, oh yeah, it's, you know, you'll be fine, you'll be good. But I want my sons and my daughter to know that, hey, in the midst of like 2021, I didn't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. Or in 2020 when COVID-19 hit, these were things that we were just, your mom and I were just trying to do, yeah. hoping for the best. And so, but if, if they're having a conversation with me 10 years down the road, my understanding of those nuances and that that unknowns they'll miss all that the right. obstacles that we have in our day-to-day -day typically are going to be like speed bumps in my, in a mile mile um, many miles of a, of a road destination right so, i like that man it's like too they'll be able to look back on that and see like oh wait you know 20 years down the line like uh i dad was going through these same struggles how did he deal with them he got through them and they yeah. can be encouraged in knowing like um just to see where you were at with that and just kind of understanding like, we're gonna get through this too, or yeah. you know, what did dad do to get through this? And then they have that, um, they just have that perspective that you had in the past 
in a video form, yes. which is in, like very powerful. And, and, and so it's, it's meant to be like authentic and, and private. Mm-hmm. So some of it, sure, are certain topics like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm struggling here with, you know, um, one of you's, you know, having a hard time at school making friends. Mm-hmm. Here's my thoughts on how to make a friend, right? Here, here, here's my thoughts on engaging with others and um, how, to, how, to, how, to, how to make friends and influence people, right? If I can mm-hmm. use, that, use that book title. Um, and so I can give that, right, as a thought. And so it doesn't need to be long-winded. I think a lot of times, like, um, as a parent, you try to, you put on a facade like the, like the, the Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. that you have all the answers. The reality is that we're kind of winging it based on what mom and dad taught us. Yeah. So if you had a good you know, parental guidance when you grew up, you can give good guidance because you're learning from somebody else. If you had garbage parents, because not all households are created equal, yeah. you're just winging it, man. You, you know what didn't work really well for you growing up, and so that's kind of the, the idea is, luckily in my life, I was given great parents. Yeah. And so my, my, my goal is to duplicate what they did that was well, at the same time, adjust it for me. And, yeah. and, and take out anything that I question of, why am I doing it this way? Then I pull that out and go, do I, should I still do it that way? Mm, I like that. So how do you kind of get, you know, because I, I feel like it takes a lot to give. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you maintain like an optimistic kind of like positive impact or perspective on your life? Like what do you do on a daily basis to kind of like maintain? Because I've seen like your posts on social media, it's always very like, you're giving, you're yes. giving a lot, and so you have to be full to give, so what do you do to like fill your cup? Yeah, um, well, so, so one of this I would say for me is, is a total natural, it is, it, it, is, is it, it is a gift, right? So I think a lot of people are given different talents. There's a great uh, book out there where they break down like, because I think a lot of times when, you're, when we're younger, right, if someone were to ask me when I was 16, what are your talents? Well, I'm pretty good at basketball. I'm okay at volleyball, right? Yeah. I, w- I would think about things that I can see that are placed in a high school setting. But when you kind of start extrapolating, like, characteristics of human beings, like, um, so Clifton, Strength Finder 2.0, is the guy that kind of invented and took it down to, like, basically, like, 33 or 36 strengths. Mm-hmm. One of those strengths is positivity. Oh, and okay. so that is one of my, so you, take the, you can take an assessment, and, and so my five, one of them is positivity. So some of it, to be honest with you, I don't have to like think about, it's just, it's just who I am. Got it. I do avoid certain things though that can bring me down, mm-hmm. right? So I, I'm always amazed at how many times people in their week will, will have a tough week, right? At the end of it, they're like, I need a beverage. I need a smoke. I need a hit, right? Like they need something external to take away whatever is negative. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, anytime that I look at whatever I might be doing, it could be food for me, right? I'm hitting up Whataburger or something. Mm-hmm. Although I would like to probably hit that up later. <laughs> um, um, so it's, we, we, we do certain things that either are positive or negative for us, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. um, how you got into running with COVID because gyms were closed. Right. So that was a positive way for you to look at um, the lack of access to a gym, mm-hmm. where so many other people in the United States and throughout the world said, I can't go to a gym, therefore I'm not gonna exercise. And now they're 20 or 30 pounds overweight. Yeah. And so, because they, they still kept eating the same way and, and they got rid of all that exercise. And so for me, I think when we start looking at all the things that we're doing, they either add to our cup mm-hmm. or they take away. 
And so luckily I, I chose a profession that I really enjoy. I work with people that I like. Mm -hmm. um, I go to a, 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 a faith-based church for me that mm -hmm. hits my qualities. Yeah. The, 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 the principles that we're talking about, the, the, the religion, the, the spirituality, it, it, it bodes well with me. But I think for a lot of people, they still do things based on what they think others want them to do, right? Mm. So they grew up in a certain religion, so they think that they have to do it because that's what mom and dad want us to do. Right. Or they, 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 they shop at particular places, they have a brand of clothing, they drive a particular car, they have to get into this house because that's what other people are doing, right? And so mm. they think like the life needs to be formulaic, and it's totally not. And the moment that I yeah. think people start realizing, I need to make choices for me to be able to feel comfortable, not everything is going to be enjoyable, mm -hmm. but it should ultimately get to my happiness. You don't right. love running every single time, yeah. especially in Houston heat, <laughs> but you know it's ultimately getting you to where you want to go. Yes. And that's kind of where yeah. I think that there's like the pleasure and the pain. I'm not saying thing like go, go be a masochist and mm -hmm. like go, go cut yourself, please don't do that. But I <laughs> yeah. think the moment that we start realizing the certain things that I do want is gonna require work. If I want a good relationship, yeah. I gotta communicate, I gotta be vulnerable. I gotta tell her that, you know what? I am scared about my job, right? I'm in oil and energy and I don't think my job's gonna be that, that, that safe. I gotta be real with my spouse. Right. or a significant other, right? right. Um, I don't, you know, I, I might come from a divorce, right? And so I might think, I might carry that with me, concern that this relationship might end the same way. Mm -hmm. And there's, she's given me no indications of that, but that's just something that I'm dealing with mentally. And, and when we're able to have those kind of conversations, we're able to have a greater relationship. Right, so it's like kind of taking that, so you said you were like a positive person, mm -hmm. kind of like that. Naturally, that's what you are. But it's also like just having an understanding of like what makes you happy, like what is driving you to happiness, and yes. like just because society is telling you this is what is, is going to make you happy, you need to kind of look within and kind of sounds like that's what you did. Like you yes. looked within and you found out these are the things that give me happiness and. You know, you're not really worried about what other people are thinking about that yes. or what other people are saying like you should be doing. You kind of like found your lane and you're doing your thing, you're being authentically you, and so that's leading you to happiness. And I would completely like agree too, like, you know, I see other people that are doing certain things and I just try not to compare myself. It's yeah. like as long as I'm running my race, like I'm yes. gonna be happy doing my thing and I like that's you know, I just try to stay in that lane because when you start comparing, it's like, okay, that's when it starts to get a little, happiness starts to, you know, go away, you know, or be a little bit harder. Yeah, because well, what you're doing then at that point is now you're comparing your happiness scale on what somebody else is doing that has no effect, right? So yeah. that's, uh, running is a perfect example, right? So get out of high school, track and field, or yeah. the Olympics, right? Mm -hmm. But when it comes to a race, we're all starting, right? and we're ultimately just wanting to finish. Mm -hmm. Now there's gonna be people in there, men and women, that run at you know, four and a half, five minute miles, right? They are, yeah. they are just clipping at just some amazing speeds. But they might have started racing and running at like eight years old, yeah. or six. Right. And so you and I going, hey, I'm not as quick as them. Well, you just started last year, right? So one year of training for running mm -hmm. versus somebody's 20 years, I'm sorry, they're gonna smoke you all day long. <laughs> yeah, and I think about that too when I'm on the running trail. If somebody passes me, I'm like, a piece of me is like, I have to catch up to them. Yes. But then I'm like, I'm running my own race. Exactly. Like, 
first of all, I've already been running for four miles. They kind of just started. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're at a different pace. They got a different goal. Like, yeah, I think that I love that example. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but to kind of tra tra transition there, like basically you got a lot going on. There's a lot of things that you're doing like in life. You, you're balancing family. You just had a baby in December. Yes. <laughs> how are you? How do you balance all that? Um, so I, I, I definitely take this one. It's, I think it's, it's a passage in the Bible, right? So mm -hmm. um, there's a time and a season. And I think people can understand that, right? So when I was in college, single me, the, the time was to focus on education. There wasn't a, a pursuit of career. I did some odd jobs, you know, stocking shelves, and you yeah. know, I, I taught Tagalog, um, Filipino. Um, so you do like these odd jobs, right? Yeah. But ultimately my job was student, and then I was done. And then the next stage was then working. Mm -hmm. and, 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 that, and that's, to me, there's a very big variance, right? Because I think there's a million ways to earn money, and you have to find out what you enjoy and what lifestyle you want. Mm -hmm. And I think too often people get distracted with earning an income and then going, I need more, I need more, I need more, yeah. instead of going, this is my lifestyle. Like when they run all the stats, they find in the United States, if you pull about, about 80,000 as a household income, that gets you to happiness. Mm -hmm. Any money beyond that doesn't actually increase your happiness. Okay. So, because at that point, at 80,000, in, 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 most, in most places in the United States, we're not talking about like New York City or like, uh, you know, San Francisco, where it's, cost of living is much, more, much, much higher, right? <laughs> but at that point, you're probably able to have a roof over your head, yeah. you're having food, and you might have, you know, a little bit of entertainment. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that doesn't mean you're going to, you know, the, to India to go visit the Taj Mahal. It doesn't mean you're going on a cruise every, every quarter. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, doing all these extra things. But at that point, you have all your needs being met yeah. without too much concern of, am I going to get my next meal from? Mm -hmm. Where when we kind of start pulling, extrapolating that throughout the rest of the world, that's their concern. So what we kind of get concerned with here in the United States is a very higher level of living. But it doesn't necessarily give me greater happiness. Now, so, so for example, I, I came here in, an, in a nice, reliable car. Yeah. But my level of happiness isn't greater in the most expensive car in the world. Now, now most people, they'll, they'll fight against that. They'll, they'll, they'll doubt that. But think about the car that you drove as a teenager versus a car that you might drive when you're 30. Mm -hmm. Your level of satisfaction in that car is identical. Happiness scale. Mm. But people in their mind, they fabricated to think, no, I'll be happier. Just like people will say, I'll be happier when I own my own house. Yeah. Although I'm renting the same square footage as a house, I'll be happier. But because what they don't take into account is all the maintenance, yeah. all the concerns that then take away from owning that house. The AC goes out, the, your, your pipes froze in February, right? right. Those, all de, those all demand um, pulls away from the happiness scale. Mm -hmm. So same thing with you know, driving around in a Bentley. I'm concerned about getting an accident. I might not put on as many miles, right? Have you ever talked to anybody that has like a, a very nice sports car? They rarely drive the Ferrari, right? right? It's got like 2,000 yeah. miles on it. That means they're not really enjoying the happiness. The happiness is on a shelf in their garage. Mm -hmm. That's not happiness. Happiness is rolling around in it and not caring if it gets an accident. 
Right. But most people, when they start doing those things, spending that kind of money, they start getting concerned about the downside of it. So all that pulls away from that net happiness. Mm. I don't know if there's a real ha net, I don't know if there's a scale, but somehow some psychologist, someone was fig figured out how to research it out. Dude, I like that because I feel like for me, I have, I don't need a lot to be happy. Like I have a very low level, like once I have these certain needs that are met and like mm -hmm. my family's healthy and all these different things, like I'm good. Like there, nothing can like stop that. I am a very like ambitious person. Like I do want to achieve a lot of different things, mm -hmm. but if it comes at, a, at an expense to that happiness, like I've been thinking about this so much, like as far as like mental, physical, like spiritual health, these certain categories, like is there, it's just not worth any level of achievement to me if mm -hmm. these things start to dip. Yes. And so that's just something that I've been thinking about. And then you kind of like basically uh, like touched on that, like figuring out like your base level of happiness. And it's really not a financial thing. Like once you hit a certain level and you have this base level of like, this is where your happiness is at, like it becomes even, it can become stressful if you over, like you push it yeah. too much, you know? And Absolutely. that can like throw off the balance of like the happiness. Yeah, yeah. and so going back to the original question, right, of, so I'm a father of five, mm -hmm. right? But re rewind me, gosh, I think you can rewind almost anybody's life five years, mm -hmm. and it's dramatically different. So six years ago, I was a single dad of three sons, three boys. Mm -hmm. I was living in central Wisconsin. I was managing about 24 advisors through half of the state of Wisconsin and the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So I would drop my sons off at 6.30 in the morning at you know preschool or not, not, like before school program. Yeah. Then I would drive 90 minutes east or 90 minutes west to the offices there and visit, deal, deal with the agents and stuff in, the, in those locations. Then at 4, 4.30 I would drive home, mm -hmm. pick up my sons after school program right at six and, and then we would get home, right? So then, then it's feed them, bathe them, get them ready for the next day, right? And so all of a sudden, um, but that was the necessity at the time. I was a single dad. I didn't have many options of anything else, yeah. right? And so now, fast forward now, you know, to where I am today, I have no desire to put on that many miles. I have no desire to be that, that many hours away from the family. Mm -hmm. So my, my, my desires have changed because I've changed. Mm. I bring this up often when I was younger. Number one car I wanted Porsche 911. I love what would love to own it. But now being a father of five children, that desire really gets pushed farther further down, right? Because if I wanted a car now, I'd actually want a Tahoe that yeah. can fit the entire gaggle right, of family right. that I have, right? <laughs> and then and then the second car would be probably some kind of really you know hybrid actually it's the car that I have. Um, a hybrid so that way I can get a lot of gas mileage for, for what I do for work. Yeah. And then then the third car would probably, well, and then so my, my six year old, he's got his car, right? The fourth car then, maybe that's the Porsche. Yeah. Right, so you know what I mean? So all of a sudden when I was younger at 12, that was the cool car to get. Mm -hmm. Fast forward my life now and sorry 16 year old, uh, 12 year old Sherm, you didn't know what the heck you were talking about. Yeah. Because never in my mind as a young person did I envision fatherhood and um, husband mm -hmm. in, that, in that Porsche equation. Yeah, now if I was a single person today, no wife, no kids, you bet I would have a Porsche. Mm -hmm. But because my life changed, right? And so I think a lot of times that's one of the anxieties that a lot of people have is that they're, they're basing a lot of their life's decisions 
and expectations mm -hmm. on these notions that they had as a child and they didn't even know how much stuff even was. Mm, they had no yeah. concept of, like they, my son even at 16 doesn't know what minimum wage is. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the actual number does not know what it is. And so to have an idea that I want a Ferrari, mm. $258,000, he has no idea how, that, how, how he's gonna even afford that. Yeah, I see so. what you mean. And it's kind of like you're in a certain like box of like perspective. Like, yes. If you're, you know, it's easy to like put yourself in that box, mm -hmm. I guess, if you're like too zoned in on it. Um, yeah, but dude, I get it. Cause I, I like, I wanted a Porsche too at yeah. like one point, but now I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm way more practical now. I'm yes. like, will I be able to put my equipment in that car? Like, will yes. I, is it gonna be smart for a family? And also I heard from Dave Ramsey, like you're not supposed to buy a new car until you get like, <laughs> until you have a million dollar net worth. So I'm always <laughs> thinking like, okay, I'm gonna get a used car, three yeah. years, like, you know. I, so yeah, I get And then it. it rains a lot here. You're really close to the ground. Yeah. I saw a Porsche get like, we had rain last week and this Porsche got stuck in, in the high water. <laughs> Cause <laughs> yeah, the exhaust, was, you're so low. Right. Sucks it right up. Um, for sure. Oh, okay. So net, uh, what I was thinking, um, as far as like, just to be vulnerable here. Yeah. So like I've had basically like conflict resolution. That's something that I kind of wanted to address and talk about just because there's been some things as far as like business relationships, as well as personal relationships, um, friendships as well, that kind of like, I've noticed something that I guess I've picked up from like my family and stuff like that mm -hmm. is that when there is conflict instead of solving it and communicating and being productive about how to handle it people would leave mm -hmm. and so because I come from a divorced family and things like that and so that's something that I've noticed like if I see somebody doing something that I don't necessarily agree with instead of having a conversation and making things like <laughs> open and in the air yes um, I would be like, okay, I just can't have that, yeah. and I would leave. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, but that's not the way you have good, healthy, long-term relationships. Correct. So what would you say, like, something that you've learned as far as, like, conflict resolution and business, like, relationships, friendships? Um, just kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, I think a lot of people are familiar with the phrase, like, don't burn any bridges. Mm -hmm. And that holds true in all relationships. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you... Because the moment that you say, we can agree to disagree, mm. that's when you have to stop it. But the most times that people say it, let's agree to disagree, they then start arguing their point all over again. Uh, so you actually yeah. aren't agreeing to disagree. And so I think one of the struggles is that when people go into a conflict, they're looking for right or wrong. Mm -hmm. They're looking for my opinion to be validated by your opposition, op opposing view. So think of it from a business perspective. Um, you know, we need to hit sales of 10,000 by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. I think that you and I should go door to door and start knocking. You think that we should spend time on social media, right? So you and I are gonna fight back and forth about the concept of what to do. And in reality, we're probably both right, but because we're both looking at the same problem from a different perspective, mm -hmm. we think that someone's wrong here. And so what happens in that conflict is, it reminds me, so there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a comic of someone standing um, outside of a parking lot uh, and he's looking at the stall. So he's standing right here at the stall mm -hmm. and then the other person's standing on the exact opposite 
it's a nine. It's also a six. Mm. And so depending on your perspective, they're both right, but they're literally arguing that it's a nine or a six, and they're both right. It's just that they don't have the opportunity to turn the table 180 mm. and say, let me see it from your perspective. So if for me, because I'm comfortable going door to door, I'm not gonna see it from your perspective. But if I were to say, okay, well show me why you think that way. And so that's where I think a lot of times in, in almost any conflict, right? If you and I can just take the step back, swallow our pride mm -hmm. and say, let me see it from your perspective. And the moment that we start thinking it through honestly, we can start realizing, oh, you know what? That was right. So that literally happened yesterday. Um, I, my wife's uh, ta ta teaching my son, he's four, how to, um, how to do the lowercase, uh, lowercase e, okay, drawing it yeah. out. And so I come in down from work and she's now getting a little, she's getting frustrated with him. And I, and I start, I'm just like, what are you doing? You know, like you're, why are you getting all frustrated? So I don't know the amount of half hour or whatever time that she's already put in, right? Mm -hmm. So again, I'm coming in with lack of perspective and I start, no, you know, just, just relax. You don't need to be getting all frustrated, right? And so in her mind, she goes, here's this guy coming in, has no context of how long I've been working with, this, with, with our son, mm -hmm. and he's judging me? Mm -hmm. So just immediately in that moment, I've gone from quick reaction and judgment on what she's doing, and I have no context for that, for that judgment. And so that's what happens a lot of times is that, I didn't look at it from her perspective, so then she got upset, right? Because I didn't, wasn't looking, I, I didn't understand the context. Mm -hmm. So when I was on my run, it was a good way to kind of yes. uh, think about these things, and I realized if I was doing that and she came down and had the, the reaction that I did, I'd be pissed. Yeah. Like this guy, she's coming down judging me, she has no context of what, what, what I've been working with here and what I've been doing. And so I realized the moment that I started putting my, my my feet in her shoes, mm. I was wrong. Mm. And so immediately yeah. I just came back and I apologized and she's like, what made you think of it? And I said, well, I just put myself in your shoes. And I was totally wrong. And she's like, you're right, you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where I think, that, that's the problem is that for conflicts, we will hold on yeah. to our opinions. Right. And you even talk to somebody, hey, and the, the conflict's gone, right? They will still argue as if the conflict's still there. Um, if you had a chance to watch Malice in the Palace. I that, did, dude, that's right? so good. So, so they still, they, like the, the players are still holding on to it. The, the fans <laughs> are still holding on to it. Like, like it just happened, this was like 20 years ago. Yeah. But they still hold that what they did mm. was totally right. Yeah, dude, I mean, I love that. Like, I think that's such a good point of just the context and just understanding where the other person is seeing it from because it's so easy to only see it from your perspective. And then also like the pride aspect is so hard. It's like coming back after there is a conflict and being like, hey, look, I'm sorry. Like I didn't see it from your perspective. I didn't, I, I, I love that. Like I'm, yeah. And, and the other thing when it comes to the personal side, just because I say I'm sorry, mm -hmm. doesn't immediately make it better. Right. And so sometimes there just needs to be a little time. Maybe, maybe we got a little bit heated. Maybe, maybe we said some things we didn't, we didn't wanna say. And so we need some time to kind of cool down. Um, you mentioned the kind of walking out. That's what I used to do, mm -hmm. right? So if anytime that like someone would argue with me, I'd be like, fine, forget it. I would, you know, I'd say my piece, I'd drop the mic, you know, and I'd be like, forget it, I'm out. <laughs> and then I'd walk away, right? Because I got the last, last word in. Yeah. 
But if the other person that I'm, you know, arguing with, if they would prefer to have dialogue, mm. then what I've done is I've literally insult, I've, I've, I've added an insult to injury, right? So we're already arguing, and now I've said like, peace, I'm out. I've now not given them the opportunity that they want, that they need in order to work out the conflict. And so when we can, when, when, because you just noticed it right there for yourself, right? If, if I walk away, mm-hmm. is that the right move? Sometimes it is in certain circumstances, right? Because mm-hmm. some, some arguments that we have, are, they're delicate, right? Like, um, you know, someone just found out that their spouse is cheating on them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that, that is so high tension. Yeah. Not every single play in the book is going to work. Right. But if you can still come at it where you can dialogue it through productively, and you might need time. You might need to say, look, I can't see you yeah. for like a day, for two days. Just give me space mm-hmm. um, in order to, before I can have a dialogue with you. To recover from something like that. Yeah. Or, or, or yeah. grief, right? Like someone's going to COVID or someone just lost their, you know, their, 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 um, their, their, their parent. Like all these things that you and I go through, they can get real. And that mm-hmm. conflict can be just raw. Yeah. And it can be totally like hard to like, to deal with that for sure yeah and i mean for me like i was saying like it's easy for me to want to walk away or like do these certain things and of course like you were saying like it's depending on what the scenario is it maybe it is the right decision to walk away but for the most part i think to um taking a step back and like taking a minute before you make an emotional decision of like thinking that yeah um is healthy as well um but yeah, so what would you say as far as like best piece of advice you've ever gotten over like just the course of your life, course of your career? One piece yeah. of advice that you would, that's, that um, you would share? Probably the, the best was successful people will do, well, no, sorry, successful people will build habits mm-hmm. in what unsuccessful people will not do. Mm. So, so for example, successful people, let's say you're in sales, Successful people will make phone calls, mm-hmm. they'll shoot out emails, they'll ask for the business, they'll ask for referrals, they're relentless. Mm-hmm. People that are unsuccessful in sales don't ask, they don't want to make the tough phone calls, they don't ask for referrals, they don't get out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And so there's, and, and so and you, can, you can paint that across the board in anything, right? You look at like a lot of athletes, right? We're coming back to football. And you can tell that those will be successful this season, mm-hmm. worked out in the off season. Now it might not have been to the same degree as it was during the season, mm-hmm. but those that are in shape don't have to get in shape. And so they're that much further ahead. So come game time, they're probably gonna perform much better come February and March, mm-hmm. if they're not February, January, February, when, when it really, really, really matters. Right. And, and that's really where I, I'd say for a lot of people, when they can build those habits of success, and the reality is they don't like it, right? Like um, <clears throat> coming out, coming out of sales, I had to document how many dials I made. I made like thirty-two thousand dials in five years. Wow. Um, so for me, um, as I look at that, like it was just a history of of, of work. Mm-hmm. Like that's all it was. It was just work. And so I know for me though, it created a habit to put in the work. It doesn't make me better. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me more intelligent. 
it just made me more persistent and it built a habit that led to success. And so we can see all those things, right? Whether, whether somebody wants to work out, um, you know, get into shape, nutrition, exercise, all these things that you and I both know f go to the work. Mm -hmm. What's the work that's required to get there? Um, you know, somebody says, hey, I want to build a social media following. Again, put in the work. Are you, are you creating right. content? Are you, um, you know, engaging with people? Are you following hashtags, right? Are you, are you reading what others are doing? Are you, are you getting all in on a particular, you know, metric or um, platform to be able to make yourself an expert? And if the answer is no, then you're not putting in the work. Right. And so amateurs don't get paid like professionals. True. And so one more time, you said successful people will build, build habits. habits that unsuccessful people won't do. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, in, in, in things that unsuccessful people will not do. So think of whatever it needs to get done. Mm -hmm. Successful people have figured a way to make that a habit. Mm, right. So, so perfect example, right? You're, 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 you're running for a marathon. You've created a habit of running. Mm -hmm. The unsuccessful, unsuccessful people that aren't running a marathon, which is the majority of the, 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 the world's population, um, they've, they've decided, I'm gonna build a habit of watching TV mm. and binge watching Netflix and um, you know, hanging out at the couch or, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. Those are their choices. But when, you, when people ask you, oh man, how'd you, how'd you get into this shape? How'd you do it? For you, it's probably pretty simple. I started this and I kept doing it. <laughs> right. Dude, I like that. Just success over time, building those strong habits because like the habits that we build and the habits, like you're saying, if you get into the habit of Coca-Cola and Netflix every night, yeah. I mean, you're going to get Coca-Cola and Netflix results. Yeah. But if you and get it, into and the, it's delicious. Yeah, it's great <laughs> in the short term, but it, it will, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And also, but also if it works for you, like that, that is your happiness. Yes. You know, cool. Yes. Like, for sure, but for me, they're like, and for you as well. Like, there's certain habits that we built that lead to our happiness. Yeah. And so, dude, I love that. I love that. Time and season. Yeah. Dude, well, this was great. Like this first uh, first episode of actually having like a candid conversation, and this is episode seven yeah. of Lessons of Strangers, which is crazy, man. Seven episodes in. Yeah. Um, before we head out of here, I want to plug yourself, show, tell everybody about where they can find you. Yeah. Here. Absolutely. Um, so you can find me on um, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube channel, LinkedIn, Sherman, last name's on. It's basically all the handles. It's always, almost always Sherman on. There's a few that might have a weird number behind it, but you'll be able to find me. Um, you can feel free to email me, sherman.on at mutualomaha.com. Um, I think for a lot of people, you know, for me, I just put it out there. You might have questions about you know, personal finance, you might have questions about business finance, you might have questions about, you know, starting, you, you decided to get in the career of financial services and you have questions, mm -hmm. feel free to reach out. You know, I, um, I, I think a lot of times people realize that they can Google anything, mm -hmm. but they want to hear it customized for how it deals with them. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I could do in helping people understand how they can implement it in their own lives. For sure. Sweet. And we'll also have like all your information linked in the Instagram and the YouTube and wherever we post this, I'll make sure to like tag you and have all that stuff in there. Sounds good. And I would highly recommend doing that. So, yeah. All right, dude. Well, that was it for episode seven of Lessons with Strangers. Thank you for being a part, dude. Very Thanks grateful. very much. And uh, we'll see y'all in the next one. See you. Baby. See you.